righteousness. Forgive us of our sins, O Lord, as we confess them even now to you. We thank you, Father, for your promise that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Lord, we're unrighteous apart from Christ. That we have been declared righteous by, by what he has done. And we thank you as we will look at this morning your love that endures forever. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. amen. Hallelujah. I have a lot of material this morning, so I probably won't finish, and, and uh, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. Well, I do know where I'm going with this, but uh, some, you know, when, when you preach, God will take you someplace that you didn't know you were going, because he, he tugs at your heart or brings something to your mind, and, and so I appreciate your patience. Uh, This morning we're going to look at, at one of the most unbelievable truths about God in, in all of Scripture, and that is His love for us, His love for us. And that's found in Romans chapter 8, if you have your Bibles open to Romans chapter 8, because I said even before I started it, you know, I just, there's no way I can cover all of this, and, and rather than just rushing through it, I think it would be probably just, it would be good just to take part of this message and, and, and maybe finish it and add to it next week. Thank you, brother. Romans chapter 8. Beginning in, in verse 31. After all what Paul has said, he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And I want us to see this morning, if you're his child, he is for you. He is for you. Janine just grabs Sam by by the nap. He says, God loves you, Sam, you know. It was just whoa. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I got distracted here. Let's let's again look into God's word. Verse thirty one again. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written... For your sake we are being put to death all day long. 
We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Praise His name. Because if His love was determined by how I act, I would never make it. I hope you can see that about your own life. How easily you can have a bad thought about someone. And you can get angry. Or, and it just kind of comes up. <clears throat> and you begin to understand grace. And that's what we've, we've been looking at here in, 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 uh, in Romans. That it's all grace. From beginning to end. And the stress is... What God did. It's what God did. We have looked in Romans 8, and I just want to quickly review that, how God, through the Apostle Paul, is telling us that our salvation is certain. We can have assurance. We can know that we're His child. We can know that He as we'll see today, that He loves us because of what He did, not what we are doing or could ever do. I don't care how much good you can do. It will not save you. It's all by grace through faith. And that's not even of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here in Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, we saw... That Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's how we can be certain. Because we have been set free from the condemnation of the law. The law can no longer condemn us. Why? We've been, we've been freed from that condemnation. Why? For what Jesus has done for us. That's the only reason. But we can be certain. Then we also saw, like in verse 9, he talks about the Spirit of God who dwells in us. We've been regenerated by His Spirit, and now His Spirit dwells within us. And by His power, we keep going. And by His power, we will make it to the end. We will persevere because of our goodness, because of our striving, our pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. No, because of His Spirit. His Spirit and the power of His Spirit that is working in us. Both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Fall, boy, sometimes greatly. Stumble, yeah. Fail Him all the time. Now, I don't delight in that. If you're delighting in, your, in that, then there's something wrong and you need to get right. But uh, we do. But He, by His Spirit and power, keep us going. And this, this should excite us and, and see that we're, we're uh, as in verse 15 now, we're adopted as sons. We're adopted as sons. We're his sons and daughters. 
He has adopted us. He has reached down into that orphan home and has taken us out. Wow, just think about that. It's certain. Why? Because He's done it. And He did it for us. Not because He's against us. He's for us. And He loves you more than you can ever, 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 ever imagine. And poor Sam, Janine was just, Sam, come on, you know, wake up. Forget the things that are behind. Jesus loves you. Pray for Sam. And then He goes on. And this will be the last time I review these, but and then we saw that uh, last week that uh, that we're chosen. It's certain because we we see that all things are working together for good to those that love God. All things are working together for your good. That means even sin, even your sin has worked together for your good. Now, I don't understand that, and God is not, Paul is not saying, then go out and sin, then, since it's working together for your good. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, even in your failures and your sin, the Almighty God is working even that for your good. Not to excuse sin, but it's, it's, I mean, that's an amazing thing, that he does not just cast us away when we fail Him and we sin against Him, that He loves us, he, he wraps His arms around us. Whoa! But this is only for those, as He said, who are called according to His purpose. And we looked at that last week and the week before. And we see that this bridge, it's for those whom He's foreknown, predestinated, uh, 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 called, justified, and also glorified. It's a done deal. It's a completed bridge. And there's no way you can fall off that bridge. There's, no, there's nothing missing in that bridge. It's something that He has done for us. It's done for you. He is for you. That's the title of the sermon, by the way. Did you see that? In the, he is for you. This almost preaches. And then lastly, as we'll see today and next week, because again, there's no way I'm going to finish this, the love of God. We've seen it three times mentioned in those 31 through 39. He talks about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. For you, for you. He's done this for you. Why? Because He loved you. And again, we'll see, why does he love me? I have no clue. Because <laughs> I, know, I know me. Why would he love me? A wretched sinner, Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. And yet he loved Paul. That, I mean, he was bad. I just think maybe it, uh, that I might be bad. But Paul... He knew he was bad because of what he had done in his past, did he not? He had killed Christians. I can't even imagine trying to live with that. But this love, this love, 
It's the last reason that we'll see in Romans chapter 8. The love of God. We see in Romans 8, there's no condemnation and it ends with no separation. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is the, the most beautiful picture of the love of God, I think, anywhere in Scripture, verses 31 through 39, that we are secure in Christ because of His love. It's interesting. We're going to look at these questions that Paul brings up, and really they're challenges. He's challenging us to refute what he's saying here. These are questions challenging us to come up with an answer to these questions. What shall we say to these things? You see, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? And so forth. If God is for us, who is against us? You see, again, we see the, the sovereignty of God is given to us not to make us lazy, not to endorse sin, but that we can rest and be comforted in the midst of trials and tribulations, knowing that God is in control in the midst of it all. Why? Because he loves us. That's all you can say is because he loves us. Simple as that. Now, his first, <clears throat> his first question, his first question, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God has saved a person, nothing will destroy that person, is what he's saying. Amen. Paul is not questioning here, is God for us? That's not what he's saying. He's not denying that God is for us. No, what he's saying is, God is for us. If you are his child, are you trusting Christ alone? Have you been born again by his spirit? Is he your Lord and Savior? This is what he's saying that. If God is for us, and by the way, he is, God is for us. And what can separate us? Nothing, as we'll see. It's interesting you know, I, I, I struggle with why would he love me? Why did he love Israel? Have you ever thought of that? Why did God love Israel? It's because, oh, I know. It's because they were such a great, mighty people. And they were good looking. And they were smart. And they, is that what the Bible tells us about Israel? Not, you're, you better, the Lord did not said his love. Oh, here we get the see, set his love on. We, we, we've been talking about He set his love on you. He did not set his love on you, nor choose you, Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8, because you were more in number than any other peoples, for you were the fewest of all the peoples. And then he gives the reason why. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Did you see that? Because he loved you. 
because the Lord loved you. Why in the world would you love Israel? I don't have an answer to that. It's because he loved them. Why does God love you? The answer is because he loved you. That's it. Sorry. I mean, that's it. I can't comprehend that. I don't understand that. I doesn't, uh, you know, it just doesn't, uh, you know, God, there's got to be something about me that, that made you love me. No. There was everything about me to hate, you see. When I was dead in my trespasses and sin, well, I was an enemy of his. He died for me. Whoa. You see, we're, we're talking about uh, hard things hard to understand. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, uh, uh, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in your transgression, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's because of his great love with which he loved us. But you see, it's not because of anything in us. It's just amazing. It is, it's amazing grace. That's what grace is. That's why it's grace. Amen. Chapter 3, Ephesians three seventeen through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ. It surpasses knowledge, Paul said. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. What is he saying here? Be caught up in the love of God and you'll be, you'll be filled up. When you really comprehend God's unconditional love towards you, when you were, as Romans 5, 8 says, while I was, uh, uh, while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You understand that? Let that really sink into you. And you'll appreciate even more the love of God. It wasn't because you were good. I mean, that's, that's arrogance to think that, you were, that uh, God chose you on the basis because you were such a good person, you see. No, it should humble us as we talked about. It should humble us. I want everybody just to say right now, Repeat after me. God is for me. God is for me. Let's do that again. God is for me. Let me ask you, do you believe that? Yes. Can you really say that and mean it? God is for me. God is for me. Just repeat that to yourself. That's what Paul is saying. God is for me. He's not against me. He's not playing games here. He's for me. He's died for me, as we'll see. You think he's going to let you go after dying for you? That doesn't even make sense. Doesn't me. But you see, he knows. He loves me. The creator of the universe is for me. That humbles me. That humbles me. And we need to believe it. And the reason why I love God 
is because he what? He first loved me. See, I wouldn't love him unless he first loved me. He gets all the praise and all the glory. And we need to wake up every morning thanking him for his great love with, wherewith he loved us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Then Paul says, who is against us then? Now, it doesn't say because God's, God loves us. So there's, no, there's not going to be, be anybody against us. There are plenty of people against us. We know that, uh, but that's not what he's saying. Uh, no, we have enemies, don't we? You have those who would destroy you and those who hate you. We, we have uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs to prove that. Fed the lions. Naked, by the way. Did you see that? In nakedness? That's what that, I believe he's talking about. Christians were fed to lions naked. And I don't mean with their underwear on either. And by the way, Christ probably did not have any cloth on. I don't think it's... But anyway, naked. And you know what they said about the Christians when they were fed to the lions naked? It was, they said it was even more glorious. They praised God even the more. Because you know what? All things are naked before Him anyway. He sees... He sees us. We can't hide from Him. You know. Aren't you glad we wear clothes? (laughs) But, I mean, try to fathom such love here. You know, but we have our enemies. But you know what? Even for, for an enemy to be considered... Worthy, he would have to be stronger than God. And you know what? There's no one stronger than God. Daniel 4.35. Let's see. It may have gotten out of order. Nope. Okay. That's all right. All right. Daniel 4.35. Let's, let's turn there since uh, uh, there was a glitch. Even modern technology isn't perfect. <laughs> Hallelujah. Daniel 4.35. This is, of course, God, when he changed Nebuchadnezzar's heart, the man who was eating grass and so forth, this is what he says concerning God. A man who, uh, right before this, he said, the king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? That's in verse 30 of uh, Daniel 4. But you know what? God does a number on him, and he changes his outlook in verse 35. He says, he goes from there to saying, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he, that is God, does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? So he's in control. And I am so thankful that he, imagine if, if we didn't know the, the, the outcome, if we didn't know what fear we would have, what anxiety we would have, but knowing there's no one stronger than God. That He's almighty. He is all-powerful. 
He is in total control of this universe. And that just speaks to me just, whoa, thank you, God, for being such a great God. Not someone who is wrestling with devil, with the devil, uh, hoping that everything's going to come out all right. No, he's got me. I'm kept by his power. I'm kept by his might. What a wonderful God we serve. But we are in danger. We are in danger of many enemies in this world. The world itself. Satan as a roaring lion walk, walks about seeking whom he may devour. You know the, the biggest uh, uh, enemy of us? Exactly. Ourselves. Did you hear what he said? Ourselves. That's our biggest enemy. Oh, there was some saying I can't then. But uh, uh, yeah, I met the enemy and he was me or something like that. <laughs> St. Augustine put it this way concerning self. St. Augustine said, Lord, deliver me from my worst enemy, that wicked man, myself. I think that's well put. And of course, within our old nature, uh, we're prone to leave the God we love. And we shake our fist in his face. And yet he still loves us. Can you, can you begin to understand that love, I, I, I struggle with that being a sinner, see. I struggle with that because uh, I fly off the handle at anything. Get upset and mad and, and uh, uh, question somebody's love for me or, or, or what have you. But no, God's love endures forever. Let's take one more question. What is the ground of our confidence in God that's... Uh, the next question in, uh, in Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? In other words, what, what Paul is saying here, I think it's easy to understand, if our God, who did not spare His own Son, He punished Him, won't that same God give us all things? If He did the greatest thing that you could ever do, which was sacrificing His own Son, why in the world would you not think that He's going to supply all your needs according to His riches and glory? That's what he's saying. And if you're questioning the little things, what about the big thing? Think about that. Are you really, are you really believing in the love of God for you? Or if you're questioning all the little stuff, think about that. If you can't believe the little things, how can you believe the big thing? Because if you believe that he did not spare his own son but delivered us uh, delivered him up for you, that he is for you, then you're going to have trouble with the little thing. You're going to question God. And he doesn't, Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't question his love. The ground of our confidence in God is his love. Why? And he tells us here, right here he tells us, he spared not his own son. 
See, he, uh, we all know John uh, 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world. So loved. Have you ever thought about just, so, not just loved, he just loved the world, but he so loved the world Amen. that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. That's so loved. That is so loved. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. Let that sink in. Let it sink in, sisters and brothers. Let that just flow over you. Let that just change your life. When we really believe that, it will change your life. The gospel is powerful. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says back in 1.16. For it is the power of God for salvation to all those that believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Just trust. Don't rust. As the old saying goes, we need, you know, we need to believe this because it's true. He demonstrated this love. He spared not his own son. You know, he did not hold back any punishment that he was due. He didn't say, I'm going to punish Christ 99%, but by the way, you've got to do the 1%. The 1% is up to you. You know, you've got to beat yourself with, with a whip because, you know, Jesus wasn't enough. No, that's not what he's saying here. He paid for it all. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He did not withhold punishment. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. We need, to, we need to just ponder this. We need to just soak this up. Because this is God's love demonstrated in what Christ did for us. Surely our griefs He Himself bore, and our sorrows He carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Not partially healed. We are healed. When he died on the cross, you were healed. It's past tense. It's not if I can do enough or be good enough. But we've got to rest in what he has done for us. Let it sink in. That love, that love is that great. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has has caused the iniquity of us all to what? Fall on him. Of us all to fall on him. He took the full punishment. He became everything God hated so that we might become everything God loved. Think of that. 
He became sin for us. He became everything that God hated. Think of that. You just, I mean, just dwell on that. Let that, let that just pour into your heart. You may start weeping, and that's okay. It really is. Baseball players do weep. It's okay. Let it out. Be moved by it. Be touched by it. But also be what? Thrilled by it. Because you don't have to pay for your sins. He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. He was delivered up. We might think that Judas delivered the Lord up for money. We might think Pilate delivered up the Lord for fear. We might think the Jews delivered up the Lord for envy. But ultimately, it was God who delivered up Christ for love. For love. You know what Jesus said to them? You can't do anything to me unless it's been given to you or the Father. It just can't be done. You may think you're in control. You're not in control. Wow. Acts 2.23 This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you, that's the sovereign part of it, that's what you, you wicked people, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Can you imagine how that must have pricked their hearts? To realize that they had crucified the King of kings and Lord of lords. They were carrying out God's plan. Because of what? Because He loved us. He loved us. For us all. In the context, who is the us here? It's believers. The all things. The all things. All the blessings that come with Christ by grace. Because of time, I'm going to stop there. We have two more questions next week and some other things that we have to say. I just want you to ponder that love. You know, we all, we, we, we have children, we have grandchildren, we, we have those that we love. There's a story, there's a story that I read, and it, well, actually I heard it on a tape I was listening to, but it was Flight 255, Northwest, 1987. And the plane took off, and I can't remember exactly where it was from, but the plane took off, and shortly after takeoff, it crashed. All 155 passengers, except for one, were killed. And that was a little four-year-old girl. A little four-year-old girl. Cynthia, I think is her name. You can, you can find it on, on uh, Google and, and, uh, and look it up. Only one little girl. You know, that's not the rest of the story, though. The little girl was still strapped in her seatbelt. They found her mother. It unbuckled her seatbelt. 
and had her arms wrapped around her daughter and her legs. And still the child was burned over one-third of its body, but still alive and lived. She gave her life for her child. Jesus sent his son because he loved us. Let it sink in. Let's pray. Lord, we can't even comprehend such love. Lord, I can understand why a mother would wrap herself around her own child because she loved that child because of But Lord, you sent your son to die for miserable sinners when Christ himself was perfect. He had no sin. And he suffered our wrath that we deserve. Oh God, let that love sink into our hearts. And Lord, may we be encouraged to understand that we're loved with, with a love that's, that's past understanding that we cannot ever understand such height and depth of such love. Fill our hearts, O oh Lord, with your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.